Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Rock. Well, tonight, get your Bibles out and go with me to the book of James in the New Testament. After the book of Hebrews, you'll find the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter number three to start off. Tonight, the title of the message is God's Way in Our Words. I was driving the other day through our city and headed home, and as I was driving through the neighborhoods, I saw something on the side of the road attached to a palm tree, and it caught my attention. I looked over, and I yelled at my daughter because she was sitting in the seat next to me. I said, did you just see that? And she said, no, I didn't see it. And, and I had to turn around and go back. And as I turned around and go back, I pointed at it, and we laughed together, and I took a picture of it. Do we have that picture? Look at what it says. It says, 2020 sucks. Now, you may be offended by that word sucks, but listen, I didn't write that. I didn't spray paint that on a thing that was put on a palm tree in my city. But you know what? That's the attitude that maybe a lot of people have. Maybe some of you guys are looking at this year and you thought, man, 2019 was terrible and I really have great high hopes for 2020 and and for the new decade, the new year. This is going to be great. You know, I've even seen memes online and things that people have posted about, wow, this decade has just started off wrong, sick and wrong. What is going on? You know, we had a great time in the first couple of months. Everybody was hopeful. And then, bam, all this stuff happened. And, 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 you know, it's easy for us when we see things not going our way. It's easy for us when we see things starting to take a turn for the worse to start to speak out of emotion, out of feeling, even out of groupthink. You know, everybody else has been saying this. Everybody else is having this attitude. I remember just the other day in our household, we were all doing dishes and, uh, you know, we were all kind of doing chores and things like that. And one person started to complain. And next thing you know, the next person started to complain. And then the next person started to complain. And it kind of made its rounds like COVID-19 around the household. And I was just going, what on earth is going on here? Uh, this, This negativity seems to be infectious in the household, and I just got upset, and I said, enough, 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 enough. If you're not going to speak something positive, don't say anything right now. You know, kind of like Thumper on Bambi. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? That's what mama taught us, and those are good words because I believe that that's the heartbeat of God. The other day, I was having a conversation with someone else, and they said, life just stinks, and it weighed on me. I could feel my spirit like a, a, a damp blanket was just laid over it, just weighing me down. You know, one of those weighted blankets that they say is so good and so comfortable for you. It, it was heavy. It was just like laid on me. And, and it quenched my spirit. And I had to stop myself and say, I'm not going to receive that attitude. I'm not going to allow that to impact me and affect me. I'm going to speak life. And I started to encourage others around me. I've been encouraging my family. I've been encouraging myself, stirring myself up. Come on, let's say the right things in this season. Because the battle is long. Come on, let's be real. Can we be real? I'm not saying you not to say things that are true. I'm not telling you not to say things that are facts even. The facts are the facts, right? This season is going long. Things are taking longer than we thought. Things aren't working out the way that we thought that they would. Uh, Maybe there's been disappointments in the midst of this. I mean, come on, guys. My dad passed away in the middle of stay-home orders. We still haven't had a funeral. It would be easy for me to take that and say, man, this really stinks. I really hate this. I would love to gather. Why can't we just have a funeral? What's wrong with our leaders? And we can curse ourselves, and we can curse situations around us with our words if we're not careful. Because the Bible has a lot to say about the words of our mouth. In fact, even Jesus said that for every idle word that we speak, that there will be judgment for those things. 
I don't know about you, but that puts the fear of God in me. I don't want to say things that later on God's going to open up the book of remembrance and say, hey, you were talking. You said some things. You spoke some things. And, and let's talk about what it was that you were saying on this time and in this day. I want to speak those things that are pleasing before God. I want to speak things that are encouraging to myself and to others. And I want to have God's way in my words. I know that you do too. And so tonight, let's learn about this together. God's way and our words. A couple of things that I want to take a look at tonight. Just some some bullet point words that I'm going to be throwing out there. We're going to take a look at what the scripture has to say about God's way in our words. If you'll get a hold of this, oh my goodness, life is going to change. If you'll get a hold of this, maybe there's been a, a dark cloud surrounding you this whole time that you've been staying at home and maybe you, you don't see any hope in the future. I believe that if you'll get a hold of this tonight, that if you'll get God's way in your words, you can change the circumstances around you, that you can lift things up, that you can start to cause positive change in your life. Now, this is not some psycho-cybernetics, new age guru goofball sort of type thing where, you know, whatever your reality that you speak into existence, that sort of thing. No, we're going to take a look at the Bible. Okay? This is not some suggestion off the internet. This is not just positive thinking. No, this is biblical ways of God's ways in our words. It is. We implement them in our lives and with our tongues, literally with our mouths, that's going to change the world that we live in. Let's take a look at it together. First thing is this, God's way in our words. Number one thing is direction. Direction. You can literally guide yourself with your words. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That as we speak things out, we are literally laying out a path for ourselves. You ever woke up, you just had a terrible feeling, and you said, man, it's going to be a bad day. And then sure enough, the day was a bad day. Now, we might say, well, it just happened to be, and I had that feeling, and maybe I had some insight, and it was going to be that way anyways. But how about this? What if you woke up and you had that terrible feeling, and you didn't realize that there was a spiritual attack coming against you? And that the devil was trying to pressure you and weigh you down and trying to get you off the things of God. What if you would have pressed into God and said, God, what's going on here? And God says, you're under a spiritual attack. What if you started to say, well, I'm not going to have a bad day just because I felt that. I'm going to have a good day today despite what I feel, despite my circumstances, despite my surroundings. I'm going to follow God. What are you doing? You're laying out a path for your own feet. You can have the direction of God in your life, and you can turn that direction right here with your words. Let's take a look at it in the book of James. You there? James chapter number three. Come on in the comments section tonight. I want you guys to play tonight. I want you guys to interact. This is an interactive sermon tonight. So, so if you're there, you can say amen. You can say James three. You can say go on and preach white boy. Whatever you need to say, go ahead and say it. Just be nice, all right? James chapter three, verse number two through verse number four. Let's take a look at it in James chapter three, starting in verse number two. And we're going to drop down through verse Number four, look at what it says. It says, for we all stumble in many things. We know that. Listen, no one's perfect. There are areas that we all mess up in. But it says, if anyone does not stumble in words. Somebody say word. Oh, come on. Somebody say it again. Say word. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Now, we just said no one's perfect. We said we all stumble in many things. So what is the Bible talking about? Is it contradicting itself? No, absolutely not. You see that word perfect? It's, I, I like to think of it in the terms of being perfected. What are we saying? Are we saying that they're perfect yet? No, not yet. We won't be perfect until we get to heaven. But can we be perfected? Can we be refined? Can we get better as life goes on? So what does it mean? It means that we are fully equipped, that we have everything that we need. If we can 
bridle our tongue, if we can watch our words, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. He is a fully equipped man. He is somebody who has everything that he needs in order to succeed in life. And I could add that she would be that way as well. Praise the Lord for the ladies. All right. It says he's a perfect man, able also to bridle, look at this, the whole body. Pastor, I just couldn't help myself. My, my body was writing checks my mind couldn't cash, right? Uh, there were things going on. I, I had a feeling, and I just had to get rid of that feeling in my body. You know, my, my belly was rumbling. I needed to feed my belly. I, I, I needed to take care of myself. I had this addiction and in my body. Now, listen, I'm not downplaying that. I realize and I recognize that addictions are very real things. There are chemical reactions that go on in the body, absolutely. But did you know that your tongue? can govern and guide that as well. As you start to speak out, you can bridle the body. Think about a bridle. Think about how you can actually constrict. You can actually force things into a certain direction with the bridle. Let's take a look at the next verse. It says, look also, uh, I'm sorry, verse number three. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Think about somebody riding a horse. What is the ratio of the size of the bit to the size of the horse. Is it 1 to 100? Is it 0.25 to 100? I don't know. It's very small, though, isn't it? Think about how small that bit is. This microphone is larger than a bit that they put in horses' mouths. And yet, you can turn a whole horse with all that muscle, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of horse. These things can run, they can gallop, they can jump, they can leap, they can knock you over if they hit you. My goodness. And yet, somebody can get on a horse's back and he can turn them wherever he wants them to go. He can make them do tricks. He can make them walk backwards. He can make them prance, all with a little teeny tiny bit in the horse's mouth. Verse number four. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. I remember I was walking on the, uh, the Queen Mary, which is in Long Beach Harbor. My whole family was walking through, and they had this room that you can go down into, and you can see the, the propellers, and you can see the rudder on the back of the ship. Massive cruise ship. Huge staterooms and ballrooms and decks and big stacks and all that kind of stuff. And even though it's driven, even though it can go fast through the waters, it's a little rudder in the back that turns that entire ship. Your life can be guided by this little member of your body called the tongue. Now, the Bible tells us that the tongue itself is set on fire by hell, and it can spark a great forest fire. And it says, no man can tame the tongue. That shows me that we need the Spirit of God to guide our lips. We need the Spirit of God to guide our tongues. We need to surrender ourselves in the flesh as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable as spiritual acts of worship. That we need to yield our members, yield our tongues to the Spirit of God to speak what God would say. That's why Jesus said, the sower sows the word. That is the greatest thing can, that can steer and guide your lives. If you need deliverance from addictions, start to speak the deliverance scriptures. If you need prosperity in your life, start to speak the prosperity scriptures. If you're in need of greater grace and ability, start to speak the grace and ability scriptures. If you're in need of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, my goodness, get into the book of Proverbs and get those scriptures and start to sow those seeds into your life. Start to lay out a path before your feet because you can literally guide your life. Somebody ought to say amen. Somebody ought to type, amen, go ahead and preach. 
Praise the Lord. Second thing is this, not only our direction, but our health. Health. What kind of health? Physical health? Yes. Spiritual health? Yes. Emotional health? Yes. See, I believe that in this time of quarantine, in this time of isolation, in this time of stay-home orders, in this time of distancing, that there's been depression going on, discouragement going on. And with our tongues, we probably said things like, man, I'm so lonely and there's no way out. I'm so discouraged and I have no hope. I can't see an end to this thing. And we've been speaking things that have crippled our lives, that have hindered us and have harmed us. But just like we learned that if we can pilot the tongue, we can perfect the life. I believe that if we can reign in our tongues, that we can start to bring healing and health to our physical bodies, to our spiritual man, and to our mental and physical, emotional health. Our words can literally nourish our lives. Let me show this to you in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18. Turn there with me in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18. Proverbs chapter number 18. Let's take a look at it together. Great scripture in the book of Proverbs. In fact, if you do a study on the tongue in the book of Proverbs, you will be blessed. You will enjoy it. You will be uh, astonished. You will laugh. There's some funny scriptures about the tongue, uh, especially when it comes to the fool and the fool's mouth and that sort of a thing. Uh, There's some funny things about holding your tongue and not saying things and as well as speaking the right things. Oftentimes there's comparison and contrasting. I love that about the book of Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 18, two verses we're going to take a look at. Verse number 20 and verse number 21. Let's take a look at it in Proverbs 18, verse 20 and verse 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. Now, obviously we're not talking about physical things right now, are we? Because the fruit of your mouth is the words that you speak. So how could my physical stomach be satisfied from the fruit of my mouth? From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. In other words, you're able to speak things that nourish your life. It goes on in the next verse, verse number 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, maybe a painful memory, and I'm sorry to bring this up, but I, I want to bring it up by way of example. Some of you probably had people in your lives, people of authority, parents, teachers, coaches, friends, older siblings that you looked up to that spoke things negatively into your life. You're stupid. You're ugly. You'll never amount to anything. Probably you remember that pain. You remember those things. Why? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about the negative effects that that had on your life after that was spoken over you. In the same way, positive things could have been spoken over your life. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You can do anything that you put your mind to. You've got this. You're amazing. You're so good at that. And those things filled you up. You probably had a teacher or a parent or an older sibling that encouraged you. Pastor Jim has often taught us, our founding pastor, that we will only go as far as we're encouraged I love telling the story of one of our friends here at the Rock Church in Willowry Center, Cheryl Salem. Uh, she tells the story of being a little girl, and the milkman came to her house there in Mississippi. And he was dropping milk off at the doorstep, and he saw her, and he said, Little lady, you're so beautiful. I bet one day you'll be Miss America. Don't you know that she went on to become 
miss America. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. What if I told you you could nourish yourself to strength, health, healing, encouragement? Start to speak the healing scriptures over your physical body if you're sick in your body. Start to speak those mental and emotional scriptures. Did you know that if you'll take a look in the Psalms, you'll find plenty of people that talked to themselves, not because they were crazy, but because they were sane enough to know that if I put my hope and my trust in God, then I will be uh, able to encourage myself. Why so downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God. They're talking to themselves. That's not a crazy person. That's a sane person that understands the power of their words as they start to encourage themselves and nourish themselves back to strength. Here's another one for tonight. Empowering. Empowering. What does that mean? Not only can you empower yourself and create a custom life for yourself and nourish yourself, guide yourself, but what about others? Just like we talked about, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can literally empower others. My goodness, we need to empower our spouses. Husbands, can I talk to you for a second? Come on, lean in, men. We need to say the right things to our wives. These are God's daughters. They're precious. They're very tender. Even though they may have a tough outside. I mean, my wife is tough as nails. The girl is a pistol. She is a firecracker, but you know what? She needs me to speak tenderly and softly to her. I don't want to damage her with my words. I want to encourage her and strengthen her and build her up with my words. Your words can empower others. I love what it says in the book of Ephesians. You want to turn there with me in Ephesians chapter 4. So fun. We were at the uh, Mother's Day blessing service, and one of the volunteers came up to me. He was working with our social media team, and he came and he asked me, he said, Pastor, what are some good scriptures on speaking good things. And I said, you know what? Ephesians chapter 4 is probably the best one. Before I got saved, I had the mouth of a sailor as a 15-year-old, and that's just what 15-year-olds did, you know. That's just how we rolled in the world and that sort of a thing, even though I was raised in a Christian home. I got saved, and God redeemed my tongue. And he gave me a mouth, but I still had to learn how to use my tongue to encourage others and to build others up and not break others down. And so this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 really ministered to me and really helped me when it came to things like coarse joking and what do I say to others and, and, and how to encourage others. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. You know, you can only give out what's on the inside. If you're giving out the scriptures, if you're giving out encouragement that's been given to you, if you're giving out the good things that God has done in your life, that's not a corrupt word. But if you're giving out what the news media says... Well, what you saw on social media, giving out bitterness and things that were placed there by the enemy, that's a corrupt word. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So if you feel that thing starting to come out, nope, you, you shove that thing back down. Don't you come out of here. Come on, let's cleanse that. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Repent of those things. Get that out of your life. But look at what it says. But what is good, good is what God says, what is good for necessary edification. Think about an edifice. What is that? It's something that is built up, strong, large. It's raised up an edifice. That which is good for necessary edification. It's necessary that we build others up. It's necessary that we encourage others. Parents, you need to build your children up. You need to speak life and health and strength and encouragement, blessing in their lives. We need to speak over our government, not negativity, not discouragement, not what everybody else is saying, what you've read in the news. No, start to speak life. Our leaders have the wisdom of God. Our leaders were appointed by God. Our leaders have our respect. Our leaders have our prayers. We're praying for our leaders to do that which is good and right in the eyes of the Lord. 
that which is good for necessary edification. Look at this, that it may impart grace. Everybody say grace. Come on, say it again. Say grace. That it may impart grace to the hearers. People are going to hear the words that come out of your mouth. And if it's a good word and it's there for necessary edification, God will impart grace. What is grace? If you're here at The Rock and you know this definition, maybe you want to type it. See if you can type it faster than I can say it. Grace is God's sovereign, divine ability to get the job done on our behalf when I can't do it, right? Grace is God's sovereign, divine ability to get the job done on your behalf when you can't do it. That's what grace is. So if you Think about that for a second. With our words, we can impart God's sovereign, divine ability to get the job done on our behalf or on their behalf when they can't do it. You can build people up. You can encourage them. You can empower them. How about this next one? Removing obstacles. God's way in our words. God wants our words to remove obstacles that stand in the way of our lives. There are dreams that we have. There are visions that we have. Maybe during this time you thought, man, I'm going to tackle the honeydew list. Somebody asked me the other day, how many, how many items have you checked off the honeydew list? I said, I looked at one of them. We've been so busy. Oh, my goodness. We've been online. We've been trying to put out content. We've been learning new systems, all that kind of stuff. I'm talking to the staff. They're like, uh, Pastor, we're getting, you know, seven days a week and trying to get half a day off here and there. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just working and burning the candle at both ends. And so we've had to readjust. And finally, I started talking to our staff. Hey, man, get your Sabbath day off. I don't care if you work six days a week, but on the seventh day, you rest. You know what I mean? And so we've been working at getting that time off. We've been working towards those ends. And so for, for us, it was like, man, I haven't done any honeydews. Maybe you're in the same boat. Maybe during this time you said, man, I would really love to build a business. You might have lost income or lost a job, that sort of a thing. And now you've got the time to reinvent and restart. Maybe God has handed you a beautiful opportunity. But there's obstacles in the way. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I'm not smart enough to do this. I'm not a business person. Had a guy in our church named Larry. Larry's gone on to be with the Lord, beautiful saint of God, and just a wonderful man of God. And I so appreciate his love and his, his being a part of this church and his friendship to me personally as I was coming up as a pastor here at The Rock. And Larry would often come and just talk to me about his life and talk to me about what was going on. Larry would often tell me, he said, Pastor, I went over to this such and such a church. I was sitting there just to check it out, just to encourage them. And you know, God spoke to me. He said, I want you to write them a $5,000 check. I wrote him a $5,000 check. And then I went over here to this other church, and, you know, I was just checking them out. I was on vacation. You know, I'd come here to the Rock, and I'd give my tithes and my offering. But God, you know, had me going over to this other church this week. I was off, and so I went over there to check it out. And God spoke to me, write him a $1,000 check. I wrote him a $1,000 check. I said, Larry, is God speaking to you about the Rock? I mean, come on. What's going on here? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Larry was a tither, and Larry loved to give here at the Rock and was one of our greatest givers while he was here on the earth. And, uh, man, he's just a, a, an amazing man and a legacy man, helped us build this church. So I'm kidding. Kidding, Larry. All right? But here's the deal. Larry shared with me about his life. Larry didn't have an education. Larry didn't have a business background. Larry simply was sitting in a men's meeting where he heard, you can do this. You can go out there, and any obstacle in your way, you can speak to that thing, and you can get it out of your way. And he simply believed the Word of God and went out and started his own landscaping business. Started and got so big that he started having employees, started having to do payroll, started having to do balancing accounts and that sort of a thing. Started managing things and actually worked himself out of a job, had crews that were going out doing the work for him. See, why is it any different with you? Maybe you don't have an education. 
Maybe you're the most unlikely person that you think God couldn't use me. No, God can use you. God can do great and mighty things. What are the obstacles in your way? Is it education? Is it distance? Is it knowledge? Is it skills? What is it? Start to take a look at those things because I want to read a scripture to you and I want you to recognize those obstacles because those obstacles might seem like mountains right now, but you're going to speak to those mountains. Look at it in Mark chapter 11. Mark in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. They're taking a trip. They're walking towards the temple and there was a fig tree that Jesus wanted to eat some figs off of. He saw leaves, but he, when he went up and inspected, he didn't find any fruit. See, Jesus is a fruit inspector. So he comes up, he doesn't see any fruit on the tree, and so what does he do? He curses the fig tree, and the disciples all watch, seeing what's going to happen. The next day they come walking by, and the tree is withered up from the roots. Peter points out, says, teacher, look, the tree which you cursed is withered up, and he says, have faith in God, Peter. Look at what it goes on in the next verse. Mark chapter 11, verse number 23. Mark eleven twenty-three 23 says this, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. Somebody say this mountain. See, I believe that Jesus would point to a mountain at that time. He's, see this? Whoever says to this mountain, what is the obstacle that's in your way? Whoever says to lack of education? Whoever says to not being born on the right side of the tracks? Whoever says to not having privileges that other had? Whoever speaks to and says to the fact that you were born, maybe you thought you were born the wrong gender. You're a woman in a man's world. And you thought that that was an insurmountable obstacle in your way. Whoever says to this mountain, come on, church, can we talk? Can we really get into this? Whoever says to the fact that someone told you you were stupid growing up? Whoever speaks to this mountain, look at this, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Do you know that our doubts are often the bigger mountains in our lives that we face? Our fears, our past failures, those are mountains that we need to start to speak to. We need to guide our lives with our tongues and start to say, I'm getting over this thing. I'm getting past this thing. If not, if it's not getting out of my way, I'm just going to run right through this thing. We need to start speaking the Word of God and overcoming obstacles. And guess what? If you have faith in your heart, if you can believe, then you can speak to the mountain, be removed, and be cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which he says will be done. See, it's conditional. We have to have faith in God. We have to believe that God is not only able to do what he said he would do, but God is willing and will do those things that he said he would do. And as you start to declare and speak the word of God, you believe it in your heart that those things that you say will be done. Look at this. He will have whatever he says. If you believe, I can be a businessman, businesswoman. I can succeed. I can be a great parent. I can be the mama that I never had. I can be the daddy that my dad wasn't. If you can believe those things that you say, then guess what? You'll have whatever you ask of God in prayer. Verses go on, talk about forgiveness. If you're interested in that, I would encourage you to continue to read. We need to remove the obstacles that are in our lives. We need to speak to those mountains. Do you believe the Word of God enough to speak it? I feel foolish, Pastor. Listen, you need to declare it. You need to say it. You need to allow the Word of God to come out of your lips. And will you continue to believe and continue to speak even if you don't see results right away? Remember, the, the Scriptures say it was the next day or even later that day that that fig tree withered up by the roots. What if you don't see results right away? Will you continue to believe? Even Jesus spoke to demons to be cast out, and it took a while for that to happen. It took a while for that to I mean, they had a conversation with the dad and the disciples. Hey, how long has it been like this, right? After Jesus had rebuked the demon, Jesus spoke to people to be healed. 
and had to go back and speak again. Will you stay after it when you don't see results in the natural? When you don't immediately say, well, I tried praying for somebody that didn't get healed. I tried to, to speak to my, my prosperity and tried tithing. I tried that thing, and it didn't work out, so it must not be true. No, listen, you didn't believe in your heart. You didn't believe with everything you had, and you got off of it, and the devil got you off, and he's laughing at you right now. Listen, get in faith. Believe the word of God. Start to stand and declare what God says over your life. Somebody in their home right now needs to stand up and start speaking what God says about you. I'm not stupid. I'm smart enough. I can do this. Somebody needs to stand up and start speaking over someone else in your house. You're not stupid. You can do it. You're smart. You have the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ. You've got this. Guess what? We're going to make it. This is not the end. This is only the beginning of what God is going to do. Come on. Somebody ought to prophesy right now into your future because the last thing for us today... God's way in our words is life, not death. God wants you to declare the life that God has for you. What if I told you you could have a custom life? What if I told you that you could create your future? You'd say, man, that seems weird. That sounds like that New Age stuff, Pastor. But this is the Word of God. If you have a word from God, then you can stand and declare it, and you can have it. That's what makes all the difference. You don't have to be bound by what your fathers did. You don't have to be bound by the way of your family. That's how my mama and my auntie and my grandma were. Though, guess what? You can create a new future. What would that life look like? Maybe in the comment section, you just want to put some words right now. Just put, what, what, what are some things that that life would look like? Blessed, happy, joyful, prosperous, married, uh, you know, kids serving the Lord. Kids graduating college, being the first to graduate college. Come on, start to type in some of those comments right now. Let's, let's interact. Let's really get into this. Because Jesus is the one who speaks to dead situations and they rise up. What did he do when he got to the edge of the tomb of Lazarus? He spoke to it. Lazarus, arise. Lazarus came out. See, when you've got a word from God, those dead things will come alive. Meditating in the word in Ezekiel. If you turn there with me to Ezekiel chapter number 37 in the Old Testament now. Ezekiel chapter number 37. I'm going to read verse number 1 through verse number 10. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse number 1, says this. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Think about that for a second. If there's a valley full of bones, that means there's a whole lot of dead things in that valley, isn't there? These were people's bones. A whole lot of dead people all around the prophet. Next verse, verse 2 says, Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. You know, water brings life. Wherever there's water, life can exist. That's why when they look at other planets, they're so interested in whether or not the planet has water on it. Because water aids in bringing forth life. So these are dead bones, and they're lifeless bones. Verse number three, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I would have said, nope. I'm just being honest. Can we keep it real here at the rock? I mean, most of us probably would have said, dead, no flesh, they're dry, they're gone. The prophet has more wisdom. Look at what he says. So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. See, God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. 
And that's a wise answer. God ever asks you a question, you might want to borrow that one from the prophet. God, you know. Why don't you tell me, God, what's going on? Look at this. Verse number four, and again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them. Somebody say, say. Say it again. Say, say. We're talking about the words of our mouth. And say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse five, thus says the Lord God to those bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Now, I want you to note that breath, okay? I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Just, just. Make a little mental note about that. Verse number six, and I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse number seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Can I ask you a question tonight? Are you going to speak the word of God like you're hearing from voice of God tonight? Are you going to say what God says? Or are you going to continue to speak death, destruction on your life? and on those around you. Will you rise up and start to speak life? Will you prophesy? Will you start to declare the end from the beginning like God does? Will you get a hold of the word of the Lord tonight and start to stand and declare the will and the counsel of God and create that custom life that you so desire? So I prophesied as I was commanded, verse 7, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Verse 8, indeed, I, I looked, and the sinews of flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Remember, I had you note that for a second, didn't I? You got that mental note out? Yeah, there was no breath. But God prophesied life through the breath coming into them. What's going on? Remember, things don't always happen right away. It might take time. The seeds that you sow with your mouth might take time to produce fruit. Look at what it says. Verse number nine, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say. Somebody say, say. Say it again. Say, say. Prophesy and say, look at this, to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now we know as we read on that this is a prophecy talking about the nation of Israel. But can I tell you something? Even though there's one interpretation of the scripture, there are many applications of the scripture. We can see that in the book of Acts. We can see that all throughout the New Testament. And as we take a look at the word of the Lord, I believe that the ready application for our lives is that we need to watch our mouths. We need to think about what we're saying. We need to speak what God says. We need to declare the things that we desire over our lives from the Word of God. And as we sow the Word of God, as we speak the Word of God, as we look at the obstacles in our way and start to speak to those mountains, as we impart grace to the hearers, the people around us, as we nourish our lives and as we guide our lives, I believe that it's through the words of our mouth. I'm going to ask everybody to stand at this time, wherever you're at, come on, all over the world, in your kitchen, in your living room. If you're in your car, just come on, open the door to the car and just step outside and you can continue to listen. And I want you to stand and I want you to declare the word of God over your life. You know the things that you desire over your life. You already know. You knew that before you even got to this message tonight. You knew that before you got to church tonight. You know the things that you've been longing for and the things that you've been yearning for, the things that you desire. And if there's something dead in your life, I want you to speak life to it right now.
I want you to prophesy over your future right now. I want you to declare the word of God over your life. Come on, don't be silent. Come on, start to speak right now. Start to say the things that God would say over your life. Maybe you don't know the scriptures about this, but start to declare what you believe that God would say over your life. Maybe you've got a scripture already. You've gotten off of it because circumstances and surroundings didn't look like there was life yet. Maybe you saw a little bit of progress. The bones came together and you saw flesh and sinners, but there was no life yet. There was no breath. And you feel like you've got a false start. Come on, start to prophesy to the breath. Start to declare from the four winds that there's going to be life in this area. Start to speak over your marriages you thought were dead and gone. Start to declare over your finances that you thought were shut up. Start to speak over your children. Start to declare the future that God has for them. Our words have power. You've seen it from the Word of God. Those weren't my thoughts. I didn't get that off the internet. These are God's words. You might feel foolish. You might feel silly. Maybe the people around you don't view you as spiritual. Start to take a stand for the things of God. Start to declare, I may not have been spiritual in my past, but I will be mightily in my future. I'm following the Lord wholeheartedly. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.